Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Classic City Crime. I'm Cameron J, and thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. It is Thursday, isn't it? As we continue in our journey of telling the Tara Louise Baker story. And you know her by now, and if you're trying to get an idea of who the person Tara was, or just how unfathomable what happened to her was, well, make sure to go back right now and listen to episode one through three on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. I promise we will wait for you. And for those who are caught up and ready to dive into episode four of the Tara Baker story, you now know what happened to Tara back in January 19th of 2001, just one day before the student's 24th birthday. And as I told some of you last time, I filed an open records request with the ACC Police Department, the Fire Department, the 911 Communications Department, and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, all of which were denied due to the case's ongoing status, even after 20 years. It's hard to imagine that, but while this initially proved difficult in being able to piece together an accurate timeline of what happened that day, I have been able to put together what I think is a pretty solid one. And I do want to give a shout out to my friends at the athens Clark County Heritage Room who helped me find as many articles as were out there and available from 2001 and the years that followed. Now here's a timeline that is courtesy of myself and a little bit of the Athens Banner Herald from an article and timeline they released in 2001. On January 19th at 11.25 a.m., a rainy January morning, an officer responded to a fire at 160 Fawn Drive and immediately alerted firefighters when he couldn't see into the residence. Now, you heard this exact response and report in Episode 3. Sometime before 11.25, Tara Louise Baker was murdered. And it was noted by some that she didn't show up for her Friday a.m. class that day, which, though was unusual for Tara, I have come to believe that some people probably explained that away by her upcoming birthday the next day. So Tara was attacked in her home. And specific details of what happened to Tara actually remain a mystery for me, as investigators will not confirm the true cause of death because, remember, due to the fire, this is a detail only the killer may know. And they might be listening right now. Unnamed sources from then and now, though, do, however, say that Tara was, and I will warn you, this is graphic, beaten, stabbed, and strangled. The only thing that I can personally corroborate officially from my talks with sources within the Baker family and within the police department are this. Tara Baker's death was violent. And upon killing Tara, you would think that would be enough for someone so disturbed, but no, not at all. They didn't stop there, y'all. As if it couldn't get any more disturbing, as if he had not done enough, he turned on all four stove burners in her kitchen lit something on fire and then used it to set Tara's body and her room on fire. And I'm guessing that was to conceal evidence. What other reason could it have been for? You can only imagine and you'll learn more about how much water can damage a crime scene. How hot that fire really was. So hot that Meredith told me it blew out the bedroom window. And once oxygen hit, well, the fire engulfed the home. Now, there's one thing that I personally have grown to feel from all this information, and note that I did say this is what I personally feel. This was a violent crime with what intent? 
perhaps by someone who knew Terra very, very well. And keep in mind that Terra's circle was not small. There's her family, classmates in Milledgeville and in Athens, the local law firm where she worked, her neighbors, and her sorority. And speaking of Athens, you know that I decided to name this podcast Classic City Crime. So I wanted to sit down with the man who sat in Athens' highest elected office back in 2001. Yep, the seat of the mayor. In fact, we actually talked on Wednesday, July 1st at 6.30 p.m. Remember when I told you nothing about this podcast was pre-recorded and all of it's being reported and looked into in real time? Well, I meant it. Here's Mayor Doc Eldridge. My name is Doc Eldridge. It's a nickname, not a title. And uh, I was uh, county commissioner from District 7 from 94 to 98. And then I was mayor from 98 to 02. And uh, I was born in Athens and have lived here all but two years when I got out of college and moved to Minneapolis. One question that I want to start with is, so do you remember how you found out about this law student in 2001 who was brutally murdered? Um, I don't know what the communication is usually like on things like this between the mayor's office and the PD, but I'm assuming there was probably some type of communication. There was, uh, and I was trying to think, and um, I believe Chief Lumpkin called me that evening, and I'm trying to, I, I don't recall the the day or the date. I don't know if it was a Friday or a Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I got the call at home, and I knew Mike Adams, who was the president of the university, I knew he was out of town, and um, I told my wife, I said, I just feel like I need to go, I, I feel like I need to go to the police department because I know that someone from the university will be there. I just feel like it's something I need to do. And uh, so I drove out to the police department. It was, I don't know what time of day it was, but it was dark. And uh, as I pulled in, and as I was getting out of my car, a car pulled in beside me. Several people, man, woman, and maybe maybe someone else in the back seat. Mm-hmm. And the thought occurred to me, I bet that's her parents. And it was. It was. It had a very chilling effect mm-hmm. because um, there it was in what should have been a pretty secure environment with a lot of other students around. She was very well liked. She, the, the people at the law firm loved her. So it had a bit of a chilling effect. We um, Every so often we get a, the tragic death of a student. Um, and it lingers for years, um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure that you know there are that it still lingers in a lot of people who were students here mm-hmm. that knew her, that were in classes with her, that lived in the same building with her. Um, the officers, I cannot remember the the lead investigators' names, but um, but those people, they. You know, it still probably haunts them that it's still an unsolved crime. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we in Athens, um, the University of Georgia is the economic engine that pulls our train. I mean, there's there's just no way around it. And when you have a tragedy hit the student population like that, it spills over into the community. I mean, we've a lot of 
people who have lived there a long time feel a sense of responsibility, a safe community for uh, the children of parents that send their kids up here to go to college. You do you want Athens to be to be viewed as a safe and secure environment uh, for the the children that uh, whose parents have elected to send them here. And it um, I know it was it weighed heavily on the minds of the university officials uh, and, and the administration. Uh, anytime something like that happens. Now, Doc went on to serve as the head of the Athens Chamber of Commerce, later retired, and now works with those seeking treatment for alcoholism. But one thing that I did see in his heart and in his voice when we talked was his heart is still with Miss Virginia, Mr. Lindsay, Meredith, and the entire Baker family, even after 20 years have passed. I don't know. I, I just lost I lost my wife a year ago mm-hmm. uh, to a, 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 a fairly brief illness mm-hmm. but it, and i I know I'm experiencing how difficult that can be mm-hmm. um, i've known I've known people who lost children, but fortunately, I haven't suffered that loss, but to mm-hmm. lose a child by a car accident or some type of illness is one thing to lose a child by murder is i I can't imagine I just can't imagine what that does to the soul of a parent. If you could say anything um, as former mayor who remembers this case, if the person that did this were listening to this, would you have any word for them? I sure would. I mean, unsolved murders in our community are uh, few and far between, but when you say the name Tara Louise Baker, most Athenians that were around here at the time know exactly what you're talking about. And it's sort of a dark spot, and uh, I would hope that perhaps somebody that might be hearing it, that might know something, or might be in, might have been the perpetrator, uh, would say it's time to cleanse my soul and come forward, and um, and give uh, Tara's mom and sister some peace of mind. I must say I agree, Mr. Mayor. And to those listening, remember, like I've said before, you can always email ClassicCityCrime at gmail.com or you can call our newly established anonymous tip line at 706-534-0025. Now, like I was saying before Doc's message, it's hard to imagine how anyone, anyone would want to hurt Tara. She was just, as you've learned, good. So good. But someone did, and someone did indeed. But who was that? Who wanted Tara Baker dead? Well, there's a lot of directions this story will take us, so friends, buckle up. We're just getting started into the thick of this story as we try to answer a two-decades-long question. Who killed Tara Louise Baker on January 19th, 2001? This is Episode 4 of The Tara Baker Story, I'm Cameron J. with Classic City Crime.
All right. So if you're like me, I know that you probably have even more questions, just like I did initially, too. So let's talk through a few of those that came to my mind. Let's have the family fill in some spaces. And let's see what I found when I first started digging for information into this case. Now, the first thing I kept asking myself is, was there forced entry discovered at the home? As you know, this is usually a huge indicator of what someone's motive might have been. And this is something that I've actually gone back and forth over. Because reports from the time, statements from police at the time, seem to go back and forth. I asked a source within the family on June 30th to confirm if they believed that there was forced entry after all the things they've heard from investigators through the years. They replied with this, quote, I don't think we know to this day. And here's one thing. If there was not forced entry, we could probably assume that this might be someone Tara knew. And Miss Virginia, her mother, swears to me that she wouldn't have opened the door to just anyone. Nearly every friend we talked to said Tara was adamant about personal safety and locking her doors. They were even more adamant that she wouldn't have let someone into her home that she didn't know. Confused yet? Was there forced entry or was there not? I'll tell you this. I'm still working to find the real answer to this question, and I'll keep all of you updated. But for now, Miss Virginia says she's settled on the belief that there was not. And if you know anything about me by now, I really do trust Miss Virginia. I don't know, because they told me one thing and then they told me another. I think they have finally settled on the fact that they could not find any forced entry. Moving along to other questions and curiosities, I was curious about crime in the area and against UGA students in general back in 2001. Now what I found through my research of old statistics and newspaper articles at the time is that crime didn't necessarily seem to be higher in Deer Park than it was in other areas in Athens. But according to a Safe Campuses Now report published in Athens Banner Herald in 2001 that while there were between 40 to 50 assaults and batteries against UGA students from 98 to 2001, there had been zero murders documented during the same time period until January 19, 2001, when Tara Louise Baker was killed on Fawn Drive in the Deer Park community. Now, speaking of Fawn Drive, I was curious about Deer Park. When did it come about? Who established it? And luckily, Mayor Doc Eldridge, of all people, who you heard from earlier, did have a few words about that for me. Here he is. The, the apartments where she lived, um, he had, um, they were new. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, they had just been uh, occupied. Larry Hancock built them, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it was... There was a good bit of discussion about the zoning and the plan development, but but he built a good project, and this was this was just not a good thing to happen. I now want to circle around back to some of my biggest questions through all of this, and that was, why wasn't more evidence able to be collected from the scene, and why wasn't the public notified of certain things that might have enabled them to better assist with the investigation? Well. You might be asking, what the hell do you mean by that? Well, while I'm not privy to investigative knowledge and understand that some details are sensitive to the investigation, I'll say it right now. I do believe that if things had been done differently, if some things had been released earlier to allow for the public to help on, we might actually be closer to the truth nearly 20 years later. We'll be right back. 
At Movement Mortgage, our mission is simple. We exist to love and value people. Hi, my name is Charlie Fleming, branch manager and loan officer at your local Athens office. If you're thinking about purchasing a home or refinancing your existing mortgage, don't get caught in a trap of using an online lender. With local knowledge, processing, and experience, we make it our goal to put your personal and financial needs at the forefront. Visit us today at www.make706home.com. NMLS number 120695, Equal Housing Lender. Now, before I get into what those unreleased details are, let's take a look back at Tara's family and how the early days of the investigation appeared to them. You remember how callous investigators were to the family before they knew foul play was even suspected, but I will say that that initial meeting probably set the tone for a lot of what was to come, and it's going to infuriate you, I'll go ahead and say. Here's Miss Virginia once again. The police never contacted us again after they dropped us off there. And it was that same kind um, detective that I told you that was also a minister Mm -hmm. that took us, you know, guided us there. And we went in and, you know, and then my husband called the next day and he said, nobody's talked to us. Can we, you know, are you done with her car? Can we take the car home? Can we, you know, do you need us for anything? And they said, no, we're through with you. And then about a month or so later, he really gave it to them about leaving us there and giving us no more answers. And they said, well, you left. So they, you have just lost your daughter. they're uh, They're apparently not communicating. Whoever told us, fine, go home, we're through with you. And then a detective, you know, later, a month or so later, saying, you know, well, you left. And has it been that way ever since, Miss Virginia, since you left Athens to get answers? Has it had to have been you contacting them? Oh, absolutely. And I brought that out to them many times. Nobody from that police department ever called me after that first day on their own. And I can't say a whole lot about the investigation because I don't want to ruin anything that they might possibly be working on. But Mm -hmm. after this amount of time, it's like, what, you know? Right. But it was a constant contradiction. Constant, constant. And to have a police person lie and say, no, I never said that, shook me to the core. Now, you can only imagine at this point that Virginia and her husband probably decided to take the investigation into their own hands. And yes, that's exactly what her and Mr. Lindsay did. Our family was doing this without any real help from the police. I asked the policeman, I said, when you responded and you said you thought somebody might have gone in or out that kitchen window, I said, did you check? do any finger uh, footprint cast and he said there were so many footprints around there and I said yes but the firemen wear regulation boots did you look for anything else and I think that's when he told me I'd been watching too much TV wow because it was a rainy day there was no grass there it was mud so probably a little closer looking might have revealed something Yes, and I even got so desperate, I said, you know, if somebody went out there, these are very rough, old 
bricks made to look old or very rough. There might have been a fiber from a pair of blue jeans or something because this window's up high. Somebody would have had to really scoosh in there and scrape their pants or something. There could have been something there. And he just kind of laughed at me. Wow. That, oh, it's infuriating. Mm. It, I really and truly, my brother said he thought he was going to have to pull me off that guy because I was all over him that day. Because <laughs> I just could not tolerate any more of those answers. And Meredith remembers her mom and dad's fighting, investigative, and yes, frustrated spirits too. How long after you found out about this and your family found out, how long did it seem for the investigation to really take off, if you remember? Honestly, I, I wasn't a part of the investigation in the early years. That was all my mom and my dad. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. only my, my mom is still around. Gotcha. Um, but they were very, very frustrated. They felt like nothing was happening. They asked them, you know, for years, you know, please talk to this person. Please talk to this person. You know, they lived with Tara. They knew what her her routine was. Maybe you can get a definitive timeline, you know, talk to somebody. And they would go and ask them questions. I mean, it was every weekend they were driving up to Athens and they would take you know, banker boxes worth of notes that they had taken and they would come back with new notes and they would go over those and then they would go up to the police station the next week and go over those things and they felt like they were being told completely different things. Um, it got to one point where they had a, one of the meetings recorded and then transcribed and then they sent that transcription to the police and said, this is what you told us. Why is it different? And then they would come back with different answers. Well, what we really said was this. Mm. Um, I didn't really feel like, and I think my dad shared the same sentiment, that we felt like there was a group of investigators that we really felt like their heart was in it and that we could trust until Courtney Gale and David Griffith came into the picture. Mm. And we felt like we could talk to them and we felt like they understood and that they were receptive to the things that we said or what our concerns were. And then Courtney was attacked Hmm. and my dad described it as, you know, a wrench being thrown into the gears. You know, we were, we were devastated. Now let's go back again to those big questions. Why wasn't more evidence collected and why were certain details kept secret for so long? Well, I'll tell you now what I mean by that. To start things off, 12 firefighters contaminated the scene on that day in 2001 and I am closely working to talk with some of them now to get a better idea of what they might have encountered, what they were instructed to do, better yet how they were trained. One of the roommates told me in an interview, however, that she walked the scene that day and there are sources that say the scene was not secured appropriately. Now, isn't that really frustrating? And while I'm sure these errors by the PD were not purposeful, or at least I would hope so, it did really hurt the investigation, and it hurt the Baker's family's chance of finding out who killed Tara. I definitely wanted to find out more about how fire investigations work, 
And of course, since it's hard to get local officials to talk, I was able to sit down with a top arson investigator and state official out of Texas who will help us better understand what they might have done that day differently that could have yielded different outcomes here now. Further, there was a witness who saw a white man in jeans in a white t-shirt running through Tara's community in Deer Park that day in the rain. Now get this, this detail was not released until two years after Tara was killed. And I don't know about you, but this could have proved vital information for the public to find out about, for someone who might have known something to speak out. And I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. but there was an item missing too that investigators didn't mention initially. Here's Tara's sister, Meredith. Yeah, so... And I will say this is one thing that frustrated me for a long time, why they didn't release this information sooner. Um, Maybe it was because people didn't understand technology back then, but I... I wish that they had disclosed the fact that the laptop had been stolen. Um, Like I said, my sister was meticulous. She kept a record of everything. She had a backup of everything. There was a backup to the backup. So why would someone take the laptop? Was it on purpose? Was it, you know, somebody who just came in and was there to steal things and that was the first thing they could grab? I don't know. But I feel like if they had said something about a laptop, every pawn shop, every law student, every mm. every kid that walked under the arch would be on the lookout for a black laptop. And then around the same time, well, what had happened first was that it leaked out that it was a laptop. And then they came forward and said, yes, a laptop was taken. So it was leaked first. Um, but then at the same time, they said... Uh, people in the neighborhood saw a man dressed in a white t-shirt and blue jeans running from the scene and it was raining in Athens that day and it was January Hmm. why would someone be running through a neighborhood in blue jeans and a white t-shirt in January in the rain that's not somebody going for a leisurely jog Yep, that's right. A laptop. A compact Presario Model 1200XL1800 laptop, to be exact, was the only thing stolen from Tara's room. Amongst all of those beautiful antiques you remember Miss Virginia talked about, the valuables in her car, none of that was taken, only a laptop. And according to some unnamed sources, the CD-ROM and instructional booklet was also taken with it. Now, isn't that a little odd? What could the laptop possibly have had on it? Incriminating emails, DNA, or what was the laptop possibly used for? Did Tara use it to defend herself? Well, I'm trying to actively figure that out, but be sure to take a look at our social media at Classic City Crime this week because you'll be able to understand why I'm asking that because the 2001 laptop wasn't exactly what you would call small or light by today's standard. And Miss Virginia was always troubled about this laptop detail as well. I I think that the laptop is more than what the police are telling me now. They seem to think it was somebody who just saw it and took it to sell it. I'm like, no, there was jewelry there. There was money there that would have been easier to sell. The jewelry mm-hmm. would have been easier than a laptop. And so the investigation went on and on. And, well, on. What's frustrating for me about reading newspapers from the time is simply this. Sources and police officials often contradict themselves. 
further, they usually said and still say nothing more than the typical no-comment active investigation. And let me just say one more time, I get it, I really do, but that doesn't stop the human in me and all of you from wanting to know more, am I right? And I'm not going to stop until I find out the truth. Tara's mom, Virginia, told me about her frustrations with the deafening silence from the Athens-Clark County Police Department and the mistakes that spoke louder than my words or theirs probably ever could. What would you say to the police department? Don't ever do this to anybody else. And if you don't know what you're doing, get help. But they would not even allow outside investigators. They said they wouldn't even talk to police are outside i mean tv or outside investigators they would not release any evidence to anybody or allow anybody to look at it and are they still holding that position today too i asked recently if i came down there would they allow me to look at some of the evidence because i might be able to see something they haven't because nobody in this universe knew her better than her mother. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, he couldn't do that. That, you know, that might, there might be a chance of something leaking. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, after 20 years, what the heck does it matter? And you know what the saddest part about all of this is, is the missteps and the, if I'm being honest, reason that this case is probably so hard to solve is that it seems police were just too afraid to ask for and welcome help. So, who was that man spotted in Deer Park that day? Or was that sighting even true at all? And who in Tara's personal life could have had motive for her death? Why was the laptop stolen? And who did the Tara Baker family, including brothers Kevin and Adam themselves, initially focus on? And who do they have their eyes set on today? Well, Meredith did have this to say in our first interview. If it is who the police say it is, if I, I just want them to know that I know who they are. I know where they live. I know so much about their lives. And it makes me sick to think that these people have a family. And... You know, whether they're shaking someone's hand or giving them a hug, they know what they're capable of. They know what they did. And they still don't bat an eye. Mm. And I find it hard to believe that somebody hasn't cracked yet. I, I, I just, I can't understand the weight or, or being able to carry something like that for so long and not having an absolute breakdown and cracking and telling someone I told you, we're only beginning. All of this and so much more as we dive into this case together to answer a two-decade-old question. Who killed Tara Louise Baker? Next time on Classic City Crime, I'm Cameron J. Thanks for tuning in. Classic City Crime is hosted by me, Cameron J, co-produced and designed by Kyle Kazaya. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Classic City Crime. Sign up for our Classic City Crimes insider list and learn more about this case at ClassicCityCrime.com. For story tips on the Tara Baker story, email us at ClassicCityCrime at gmail.com. 
or call our tip line at 706-534-0025.